This week's episode is brought to you by our lovely friends at Patchworks. Please visit them at patchworks.com for all of your modular and synthesizer needs. That's patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. And once again, thank you to Needham Woodworks for your continued support of the show. If you're looking for the finest Eurorack cases in the land, please visit needhamwoodworks.com. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held and I'm very, very, very excited about this week's episode. Um, we have Daniel Miller and Gareth Jones on the show. Now, Gareth and Daniel have been working together for, for many, many years. Um, and uh, I don't think that electronic music would be this, in the same state that it is now without these two. Uh, they, they co-produced uh, the first handful of Depeche Mode albums. Gareth Jones, uh, he produced the, uh, the Interpol album, that first really awesome Interpol album, and just so many other things. That, like, their, their list goes on and on. It would take a, you know probably a seven-minute intro to go over all their credits. Um, Daniel Miller runs Mute Records, which has put out some of my absolute favorite um, electronic records. The Knife, um, Gold Frap, Apparat, uh, M83, uh, just the list goes on and on and on and on. And they're here today to talk about Sunroof, their musical duo, and their first album that they've released together under that moniker. Uh, it's called Electronic Music Improvisations, Volume 1. It's out on Mute Records. It came out last Friday, so please go check that out. It is fantastic. And we're going to talk all about how they made that record and, and a, you know, a little bit about their, their work and how they met. Um, it's just there's so many things I could have talked to them about, uh, but we only had so much time. So maybe we'll have them back on someday. Um, but yeah, excellent episode. They're so sweet. They couldn't have been nicer. Um, I had such a, a good time talking with him. I was a little nervous, um, but they were just so charming. They 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 disarmed my my nervousness pretty quickly, and uh, it's a great chat. And we're gonna get into it, but I want to talk to you about a few things first. So what you're hearing right now under my voice is something that I just recorded out at the Pacific Ocean. Um, I brought my my modular setup out there with my battery, my Max Oak USB battery, and uh, I set it up like a field recorder like I've been doing, and uh, I was playing a melodica and walking around the synth with my melodica. So that's what you hear right now. Hopefully, you'll see a video of this performance pretty soon. But until then, I would love it if you went to my YouTube page and checked out some of my other um, remote performances. I recently took the the uh, the modular backpack. <laughs> I bought a backpack frame so I could strap my modular, which is now just a, a glorified field, re field recorder, onto this backpack frame and I walked around the Seattle Ferry and uh, I even had kind of a little bit of an altercation with uh, somebody who was, you know, maybe not so sound of mind, but mostly nice people. Uh, but yeah, please go check out uh, the YouTube page, the, the, the Podular Modcast YouTube page. Lots of fun stuff going on over there. Um, I'd also like to say thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. You're helping to keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod. And um, recently I started doing bonus episodes just for Patreon subscribers. So it's basically me answering your questions or talking about whatever you want me to talk about. You can hit me up through email or the Discord server and uh, just tell me what you want me to talk about on a, on a bonus episode. This, this most recent bonus episode last week, I was talking with my friend Stephen Jett about how we made our piano slash modular 
album, uh, Bones of the Structure, which is out now on Self Center Records. Um, and we talk about how we're going to approach the next one. Uh, so yeah, if you would like to to get some bonus content and help keep the show going, please visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. And lastly, I just want to remind everybody that the Benjolin is back in stock over at afterlateraudio.com. Um, so this Benjolin uh, is, is Rob Hordyke's original design with a few uh, pretty awesome... Um, changes or updates um it works with the uh, turing machine expanders uh the allen and morcom through uh, after later audio which are the micro versions of the pulses and volts um so you could just get all sorts of random gates and stepped voltages and you can even daisy chain the uh the enigmas which are five step um random voltage uh, that you can actually dial in through attenuators. And you can daisy chain five of those so you could get 25 steps of random voltage off of the, uh, off of the Benjolin. So it's just a, it, it's, it's just so cool. I'm going to do some videos on it really soon for after later. So keep an eye out for that. Okay. We're going to get into this episode, but first one quick message from one of our lovely sponsors. Do you have an album that you just finished? Do you feel like it's the perfect synthesizer or modular album other than the mix? Are you just fighting it in your cans, on your studio monitors? Is it your DAW? What's going on? Well, I tell you what, you don't need to take up all of your creative energy trying to figure this out when there are people out there that can do it for you. I'm talking about Hugo R.A. Paris at Tiny Crush Mixing. His work is custom tailored to synthesists and modular synthesis. He works on recommendations from Nathan Moody. So what does that tell you? <laughs> I'm looking at his background here and it's, it's like, it's almost unbelievable. So let's just start with an academic background where he focused on acoustic and signal processing. That work led him to uh, work with MIT, Caltech, Stanford University. Uh, he has three of his own albums out. Uh, one is on Beacon Sound, the record label. Uh, so he's label mates with Terry Riley and Amulets and many others. Also has some music out on Jack Tone Records. His albums have received positive attention from the press and have been reviewed by outlets such as Accelerator, Fact Magazine, and Resident Advisor. Like those are the three for electronic music. Um, oh yeah, he also conceived and developed the spherical wavetable navigator, the flagship Eurorack module over at 4MS. So you're in good hands. His state-of-the-art studio provides the ideal listening configuration for your work. He also will do remote mix breakdowns with you if you're interested in learning you know, what he's doing and maybe how to do it for yourself in the future. The turnaround time is quick and he offers add-ons such as reamping and analog summing. Openings start now. So you're sitting on that album and you want it to sound as good as it possibly can? Then head over to tinycrushmixing.com and get a hold of Hugo. Yeah, I just want to start off by saying I this you guys are to have to have both of you on at the same time is going to be difficult because I feel like I could spend well over an hour with each of you. And to everybody out there listening, I just want to ahead of the time, po apologize that I'm not going to get to everything that you want me to, to ask, the, ask these guys, um, because you guys are here together for a reason. And that's, that's the, uh, the new, uh, album, uh, with your sunroof project. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 
really confused as to where to start with you guys because I just want to say ahead of time, without the two of your work, I think the the world and certainly our world of electronic music would would be completely different. And you guys are just responsible for so many influential and seminal albums, whether you produced them or released them on mute. Um, so thank you for all of that stuff. Um, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable to to put your guys's work together and look at it all in front of me, you know, and then try to figure out what the hell to talk to you guys about. <laughs> so I guess thank you. <laughs> thank you for the, for the compliment. I'm sure electronic music would have been just fine without us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to imagine it. Um, but you guys have been friends for a really long time and have, have worked together for a really long time. But the sunroof thing, I kind of want to talk about how that formed and evolved because it's, this is your first release together. And you guys have been friends for like literal decades, you know? Um, so why now and how did that come about? Or maybe let's talk about what Sunroof was before it is, like it is uh, what it is now. Well, Sunroof, the name Sunroof or the project Sunroof was actually one that we've used for a long time now since the 90s for any remixes that we do together. Uh, we've done, we haven't done that many, but we've done a few over the years. Uh, people like, we did a Can remix and um, Faust and MGMT and amongst the Gold Frapp and amongst a number of others. And we thought, you know, when you get remix credit and it's like by Gareth Jones and Daniel Miller, it's a bit like, yeah, come on. So we, <laughs> so we, came, so we thought we should have a project name. We just came up with Sunroof out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was, that's the history of it. But yes, this is our this is our first, you know, from scratch music that we've made together, uh, or, or released, I should say, because we have made stuff over the years together. And in fact, the uh, the the sunroof project, if you like, uh, predates the name by a good uh -huh. decade, by a good decade <laughs> or so, yeah. because we very early in our uh, in our uh, friendship and working relationship. Uh, we, we would often hang out in the studio at, at the end of the session. We met, uh, as you might know, when I was uh, hired to work on Construction Time Again that Daniel was co-producing with the band. And uh, at the end of the session, Daniel and I would often hang out in the studio and muck about with the effects. I would muck about with the console, play the studio, and Daniel would muck about with a couple of synths. We never recorded any of it, but... That was the original seed, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was curious about that. Like, so you're you're in the studio all day, in the studio all day, and to to stay there to put in extra work is like I, I've done all day recording sessions, and as fun as they can be, they can be taxing. So I was just, you know, you guys were obviously enjoying yourself, but was it because? Do you think you stayed in there longer because? You spent most of the day working on making somebody else's creativity shine bright, and then you wanted a chance to kind of have your own shot and expression out of it, or were you just so in love with the process you stayed in there? I think when you're working with any artist as a, as a producer, or, you know, you're very focused on getting the right sound to support the song, should we say. Mm -hmm. um, and as you go through that process of trying to find sounds, you find other sounds which you like, but you, they aren't appropriate. Um, and 
you know, it's, it's, it's very focused. We were very focused in the studio when we were working with, on that project with Depeche. Obviously, we're very focused. And it's, 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 what's great about it is that it's very it's proper structured pop music in the sense, in that mm-hmm. sense. And so I think it was a bit of a head cleaning exercise, to be honest. At the end yeah, the de- decompression. decompression. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Where we could just muck about and like no, you know, it wasn't for any particular purpose apart from just having fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and so, like, so you guys met coming together on that album. You hadn't met before then, right? And right. so your friendship really like blossomed, and your working relationship kind of all formed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, we we worked on you know two further Depeche albums together, mm-hmm. um, and then Gareth produced a load a lot of stuff for mute for the late for our label over the years so yeah we got we just you know we we became friends as you do uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well i love that um yeah i'm just i'm trying to find figure out a way to go with this because i i feel, I feel like you guys have been working with analog stuff for so long but this is a this is a highly modular album, you know, electronic music impro- improvs uh, that that's going to be released in a few days. And have you always been working with modular stuff, or is this kind of have you come back to it with its kind of surging popularity recently? Well, um, oh, I mean, I started out my second synthesizer that I ever bought was a second hand. I'm talking about 1979 or 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, was a, a fairly beaten up but perfectly working ARP 2600, um, which is semi-modular. Mm-hmm. So uh, before that, I had a Korg 700S, which is a great little synth, and but it doesn't have any of the, the nom- nomenclature or whatever the word is, the terminology on the synth that bears no relationship to any synthesizer that we would know today, like things like ADSR or LFO or even filter, I think, or maybe it's a filter. So when I got the ARP 2600, um, you know, I was really learning, learning from scratch almost. And it came with a patch book, uh, the ARP official was great. So from that moment, I understood, I kind of began to realize how much I enjoyed the, that process of plugging cables in and making new sounds, which is mm-hmm. what modular is. And then, you know, my per- personal curve, we went, you know, that was the Art Pro 600. Then later on, I got a few other Roland system, 100M. And I don't want to go through the whole thing, but and eventually I got very into plugins. When the whole, you know, VSTs came out, I thought, wow, because I was traveling a lot for work and stuff. I thought I got my whole studio on my laptop, which is, uh, in theory, is great and in practice can be great. But I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy doing I really didn't didn't do much with it that I liked or I enjoy it very much. I realized how important the, the kind of physical interface was with a, with, a, with a physical synthesizer. And then I got back into it you know, 10 years ago or something like that, into when Eurorack was just starting out where there's only like five or six manufacturers, if you can believe yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> made about four or five modules. I mean, those are the days. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of remarkable thinking about it like that. It's it. How it how it kind of went away, I guess, because of the you know the the digital thing kind of became so big with the emulation and plugins and everything, and I mean I like just the resurgence. Like you can do so much inside of a laptop, but it takes something away 
from for for me too you know that that tactile experience and and gareth i was i was interested in like how you felt about it because being a producer you you know, you must have gone through a similar trajectory that daniel just described um, yeah slightly slightly different i i i for me the recording studio was always like a modular device uh, right, you know right. kind of <laughs> exemplified by the patch bay even in it where you have to hook shit up in uh -huh. fact it, it was a uh, one of my early achievements in the recording studio was managing to get some sound to come out the loudspeaker, you know, which was <laughs> like that required a, a, a certain understanding of how you had to hook things up, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, so obviously now uh, everyone plays the studio, but when I started, it, it, I felt the studio was kind of my instrument. And obviously I got the... I, I, I've always uh, played around with different musical instruments. I, I definitely got the bug. I like like uh, Daniel. I had a little small hundred amp system, and then uh, uh, it seemed to me that the as I as we moved into the nineties and I got more interested in uh, making music, trying to finish music, uh, the the vintage. Um, modular stuff started to get the, the vintage synth and the modular stuff started to get very expensive, and it, and and it was too expensive for me to purchase, I suppose, but not even that to maintain. It, I realised you almost you needed like a proper tech support team to keep all this stuff going. Uh -huh. So it was a great, you know, the 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 emergence of uh, uh, Eurorack uh, for, and with with Dieter Dupfer's uh, inspiration, really his guiding light was a great. Uh, event for me because uh, you know, because it was vaguely affordable and and obviously we can send the modules back to the manufacturers if they go wrong <laughs> and get and get them fixed fairly easily so so this was like a real e e even though I dipped in and out of uh, modulus before and owned a few different synths it was really the excitement of the Eurorack world that 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 got me committed and mm -hmm. and pretty soon actually I felt I discovered my my instrument, if you like, the, the 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 device with which I felt able to channel cosmic vibes and m make sound and noise and even music sometimes, you know. So, so that's my trajectory with it. Like I I I find I love it like all of us do. I suppose I love the fact you I can't recreate stuff that I've made. <laughs> I love the fact that I have to record it or not, you know. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Or, uh, the, the the all the the the, the this dynamic interaction between us and the machines, I just think it's completely awesome. And actually that goes to a whole nother level, of course, with our improvisations that we did. Because right. not, not only could we not uh, re recreate our patches afterwards, there's no way we could recreate any of the improvisations. You know, right. if, if Sunroof were ever to do any live uh, work, which I, I think we'd like to do, there, there would be no question of us playing the record yeah, you know? right. <laughs> we would we, we would obviously get together and build another set of improvisations you know right uh, so so that's and, and and even the way that we recorded the sunroof was almost everything was into four track four inputs actually of a of a daw but stereo out of each rig i think one of the pieces was recorded straight to stereo so it was full of this kind of commitment vibe that euro that the modular offers us so so deeply and so intimately you got to commit uh, you know yeah and so we didn't really have any mixing to do we didn't try to record the separate oscillators or tone sources 
individually. We just recorded the mix out of each case. Okay, so, that was going to be one of my questions, and and I actually kind of figured that to be the case with your guys's, you know, your just with your your technical skill set. I imagine you just got it sounded the way you wanted to sound during the the actual patching process, and then you were ready to hit record. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, we had a little manifesto mm-hmm. uh, to set ourselves some rules because obviously. You know, it's helpful, in, especially with modular, to have a little, have a little, a few little rules in there. Uh, one of them, the one important, I guess, the most important one really was that we didn't, we wanted to do pieces that were like five to six minutes long. Uh, we didn't want to do long jams, uh, which we have done before, which we've recorded before. We want, to, and the other thing that was really the real purpose behind it to actually get together in the studio wasn't to make an album. But to finish some music, and, uh-huh, we felt uh-huh. that, and we felt that the only way of finishing one really was to, to give us time limits because both of us, I mean, Gareth's a really good editor, obviously, but I'm not. But also, we both got busy day jobs, and you know, we didn't want to spend even more time in front of the screen editing, and you know, it takes time and a, and a certain kind of energy, which is so. Basically, we 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 decided that we would do tracks that we set a limit of five to six minutes for a track okay. and we, we didn't talk about the music at all beforehand we meet up after our day jobs have a cup of tea catch up on life in general and then just start patching and when we started and then at a certain point when we started patching and we're listening to each other the whole time obviously very importantly and we said okay let's press record as you said let's go and then we knew we had that time uh, that time do to, to, to create something that well, didn't just have a start and an end, but somehow had some kind of arc that started mm-hmm. and developed in that period of time, which is very important. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was, I was really curious. There's a few things that I really, really like about this album. And, um, and then it, a lot of people ask me, I get a lot of emails asking me, how do you collaborate with other people on modular? Like how do you, quote unquote jam or, or record together. And I've never been able to give a good answer because I've, I've done it a, a handful of times, but it's always been a mess really just like absolute mess. And what I think I've learned by listening to your album a number of times now is less is more, you know, I feel like if I've got eight voices in my, my case and my friends got eight voices and then all of a sudden we have 16 voices and I'll, I'll go into a stereo track, like that's just going to be rubbish really, you know? Um, so I think I, I learned a lot in that regard and, and, and you guys did such a great job of, it's really like, it feels like a really good bookend of, it sounds like it could be put in with some of those early Morton Sabotnik, like early modular albums, but there's definitely a contemporary aspect to it that, you know, makes it very obvious that it's not from there. Um, now I'm just, I, I think I've lost thread of my question. I've just, I've just started gushing, but I think, I think where I was trying to go with this is you, so you set up the manifesto. Was there also a time limit on build the building? I know you had a time limit on the track, but like, cause I could see you could spend three hours building it. And then like, when do you decide let's press record now? We, we didn't have a time limit on the building, Tim, but we did have a time limit on the session because okay. uh-huh. we, we don't, we, we have left to our own devices. Daniel and I can both be like massive night owls. 
Uh-huh. And, and because we were slotting these sessions into the rest of our lives and we, we were trying to do it in a way that, that didn't have any kind of negative impact on anything else we were working on in our lives, we kind we I would say three three hours was a session three to four four hours rarely three mm-hmm. hours often including a quick uh, a quick uh, bite for supper in in a local cafe or something you know mm-hmm. so so that li- kind of limited the patching time and we couldn't have allowed ourselves a three hour patch because there'd be no time to to track you know but we we never had a rule about patching time that I remember um, we did always start blank. Well, no, no, we you weren't allowed to turn up with anything plugged in the case. Okay, uh, okay. We, we, uh, that was a kind of. So, in other words, whatever emerged in that moment emerged from the kind of ritual and the, the the shamanic, event of us being together for that time. That was kind right. of quite important to us, which is for better or worse why we named them with the dates that we made. Uh, they, those were special moments. Uh-huh. Oh, and I wanted to just add something. Of course. You were kind enough to say that it wasn't too, it's not too messy, our album. There was some messy stuff that didn't make it to the <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, I think any like masters getting together are going to be messy with modular, especially try. It's just you're, you're missing, you're mixing each other's. It's like you're sharing a canvas with your different, uh, you, both of your own color palettes, you know? And, yes, and- that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. It's exactly what it's like. And, um, yeah. I wouldn't call it a limitation, but. We both used our travel cases as opposed to our studio systems. And both our travel cases are pretty, they're both the same, uh, actually, uh, IntelliGel 7U-104 mm-hmm. cases. Mine, anyway, is pretty packed with stuff. So yeah. there's no lack of, I'm not, uh, we did, certainly didn't miss anything, but obviously to get, you know, we didn't have that many voices that we could, that we could, that we could chuck out there. But it, I never, it never felt limited in, the, in terms of what we wanted to achieve. I, yeah, that was going to be my next question is is because I see how many synths you have behind you and and what what the setup was and did you guys talk to each other beforehand about okay I'm going to be using I'm going to be bringing a lot of this type of module so you might want to steer clear of this or did you kind of independently build them and then and then mix and match as you got together? Yeah, no, we didn't discuss that at all. I mean, I'm. My, my uh, travel case has got so many modules in it and so many extra ribbon cables. <laughs> yeah. the, the thought of diving in there and changing a lot of modules is really... I mean, I do it very occasionally, but it's a fairly fixed system, you know, because it's just like, you know, you know, you start pulling in, you know, you pull a ribbon, extra ribbon cable and then something else gets unplugged. It's a whole nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very happy with what I've got in there. and I can do, you know, it, it really... It's, it's, it's a multi... I think both of our cases, obviously, uh, well, mine anyway is a multi-purpose case in the sense that I use it for live. Okay, I've done a few live things. I also use it when I, if I go to a studio to do help out with somebody. I also, I take it with me if I go on holiday or if I'm away on a longer, for a longer period of time just so I can play around, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't redesign it. I mean, I sh- probably should, but I don't redesign it for live or any specific purpose, you know. Um, I also, to be fair, I also have two external 4MS pods uh, for a sequencer and a mixer. But, you know, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I have an external 1043U as well, which has got uh, 
clocks and a sequencer and pressure points and maybe something else in it. So yeah. so it was really both of us are with the with the with the the cat the rack you know the suitcase and then mm -hmm. an extra an extra row of stuff. Yeah. So I find that to be kind of the like if I think if I was going to have to build one system for the rest of my life I've got three cases one's you know just an enormous thing I've got a 4U and a 7U. I think if I had to do a desert island I would do exactly what you guys did a 7U and a 4 or 3U and use it in that same way as like a control forge. You know, having the 7U up on a, a stand and then everything else, your sequencer, your pressure points, any sort of playable surface down there. I just, I, I think that's, I've seen a lot of people do that and that seems to be the best way to really be able to navigate a system without it getting too jungly, you know. And it's vaguely portable. I could get it on the bus or the subway, which was kind right. of part of the brief as well. For me, I'm not, I don't own a vehicle. So obviously it's a zero budget project so that we didn't like spring for cabs or anything, you know, I I we turn up on the subway. So that's an another bonus, you know. Mine, mine, mine also has to be, for my personal purpose, has to be carry on luggage, you know, friendly for an airline. So I'm, you know, yeah. just about. Yeah. That's kind of where I've been at, at too. I've, um, I've flown, I think I've flown twice now. Yeah, I've flown twice with modular now. I was really um, surprised at the lack of scrutiny I got from TSA. I thought with all the wires and everything, I really thought they were going to think I was trying to do something nefarious. But just everybody kept asking me if I was a DJ. Yeah, that's <laughs> I get the same. Yeah, I, I, interesting law that I found out about in America. There's one. There was one flight I I was on internal American flight with my case. And they didn't want to let me on with it because of size. But apparently, mm -hmm. there's a law in America, and I, I might be completely wrong about it. You're allowed to take on something that's a bit bigger if it's a musical instrument. Oh, really? That's I, good to know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get quoted on that. Well, I just quoted <laughs> myself, but I mean, <laughs> it's worth checking that out if, you're, if anybody's uh, planning to, to travel on, on, a, on a US airline. Did you, did you have to make a little melody or something to demonstrate that it was a musical <laughs> instrument? Did they tell you a word for it? I think, I think the less the less sound that came out of it, the better. I think they would not have thought that as a musical. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, we understand that makes noise, but I don't know if I'd call that an instrument, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, also with these with these, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this idea of of the manifesto, the the rules and restrictions. How much conversation, you know, you said, okay, you had a bite for supper or something beforehand, or a, a cup of tea. Was there any, was there any discussion of oh I'm kind of feeling that this direction would be good mood wise or tempo wise or key wise or was it all just like don't talk about it show up and start patching? Yeah, that's how it was. Don't don't talk. Shut up. Don't talk. Patch. Uh huh. Uh, don't talk about it and patch. Yeah. We did clock. We did have a, a, a master clock between us. So we were if we wanted to do things in time we could. Doesn't necessarily mean we always wanted to, but. That was that. That was the only thing really that was patched actually with the uh, with the clock. And then 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 I it's it's lost in the mist of time for me this now. But there might have been the odd discussion about tempo, i.e., how fast are we going to run this clock? There may not discussion. I mean, Daniel might have said, "Should we do eighty-seven? And I would have said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Or the, or the other way around, you know, but but the, the, but the, but there was, as Daniel said, and that was very important to us. That was part of our manifesto, Tim. Uh, and we, we, we had a chat 
we we went to a, a gig where we had got the idea. It's it's in the press release where we got the idea of coming together to finish some pieces, and then we had a chat, and then we I kind of wrote down what we discussed, um, and uh, it was. I don't know if it was on the manifesto that we weren't going to talk about it, but but it was very natural. Not only did we not talk about the pieces before we made them, we didn't listen to them for about six months uh, until we'd made a whole body of work. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. That's really interesting to me because since I've gotten into modular, um, like you were talking about earlier, it's press record or don't, but it's gone. You know, So I've got a lot of recordings um, that I haven't done anything with. And now when I go through to kind of start cleaning up my, my project folders, I'll say, well, is this worth keeping? And I'll open it up and I'll have zero recollection of how, when, you know, other than the date of the project, I don't know what the hell I was using or how I did it. So, which is kind of fun because it's great. Something that I thought maybe the day I was making, it didn't sound that great. I may find myself really enjoying it later because I'm not so close to it. I'm not scrutinizing it as so much of a piece of my own thing. It almost sounds like somebody else made it. So is that exactly. kind of the experience for you? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I would say that was, that was, you know, we, 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 um, because when you listen back to a piece of music soon after you've made it, or actually probably any art, in, including photography, which is like where I kind of got the idea from, um, you look at it, you don't just look at you don't just listen to the piece of music as a piece of music. you you, re, you relive the experience mm -hmm. oh you know uh, i had a bad day that day or the sun was shining or you know or, and how you feel and really what which is also nice because it brings back those kind of memories but also but when you make you know you want to really listen to it objectively as a piece of music um um without all that that extraneous kind of emotional feelings about it and just try and pretend that you've never heard it before and, and yeah and as you say you know i can't when i listen back to it now i can't i can't remember if that was who sound who did what pretty much you know and it's not and, and it's absolutely not important because it's not important who did what you know because we were a, we're a band or you know what you want to call it a duo mm -hmm. or a collaboration yeah. so you know i can't remember yeah most i could some things i can say i think i probably did that you know, when it's something that I don't like, then I usually say it. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, that was that. And I, 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 yeah, the, I'm really, I, I'm quite interested in street photography, mm -hmm. um, which I do from time to time. And that, that's the technique that a lot of street photographers use, is, is don't look at the picture for a few months after you've taken it. To, to completely forget the experience of taking it and just look at the picture as a picture to judge it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds. Are you just a side note? Are you familiar with uh, Sam Precop's work? Uh, he's he's in a group called the Sea and Cake. They're a thrill jockey band. Okay. No, I'm not. Sam Precop. He he's a modular artist as well. Does really cool mm -hmm. modular stuff, and he also does street photography. Really, oh, really cool interesting. stuff. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I think I think you'd yeah. yeah I think you'd be interested in his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now, Gareth, as a producer. I mean, how is that kind of how it is for you? Do you like walk? Do you like to walk away from even a mix? Do you like to walk away from it for an ex like any certain period of time? To yeah, I mean, uh, the, what I like and what a schedule allows is often two very different things. Right. Obviously, yeah. uh, uh -huh. but but um, yes. Uh, for instance, I've just tracked a bunch of um, uh, uh, songs with a, 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 an artist where we're just moving into building an album, 
and and the the album's built on live performances of singing and playing guitar or singing and playing piano and we track we adopted a similar approach uh, we we tracked every we tracked every song until we felt we had a vibe then we mm-hmm. put it away and moved on and then at the end of the week when we'd record then we listen obviously we were a bit nervous but then we listened back to everything uh, and that's a great i mean my my with with my with my personal stuff, I, I, I take photog- photographs as well. Uh, obviously, everyone does. Uh, and I paint uh, with watercolours. And uh, my problem is uh, immediately when I've done something, the, uh, uh, I usually think it's really shit. So it, it's, it's not that I don't have a perspective. It's, or I don't have a perspective, but it's not that I make something and think, oh, this is incredible. Usually I make something and think, oh, I'll just delete it or just yeah. rip it up. But it's only. But then it's with that distance when I come back to it that we're all talking about here. The, uh, this um, amazing thing that happens with a bit of distance, you're able to evaluate it more, more equably and more kindly. In my case, mm-hmm. you know, I'm yeah. the, by that time the critic has died down a bit. He's not so active. He's yeah. chilled out. So then I can look at the paint, the watercolor, and say, "Oh, that's really not too bad." Three days later, and then mm-hmm. two weeks later, I might show it to my wife and say, "Oh, look, honey, what do you think?" You know, yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, uh, so so that so I have this terror, and that's one of the things that stopped me completing my original work for many decades. I think the 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 very uh, severe critic that I carried around inside myself just was like shutting me down all the time. So yeah. I've had to learn to negotiate with this inner critic in order to, and and one great way we we explored with with Sunroof was just not listening for months we just we it was very quick it happened very quickly i think neither of us had listened to the first track and i said to daniel have, have you listened to it and he said no actually i'm thinking of not listening to any of them until and i thought great at that point and that we just went with that night you know and that was so, so so fantastic you know so that's an interesting thing that you just touched on and this because we all we've all expressed the same thing we all know like it's something about being an artist is is you can't you can't look at your own stuff as not the artist and and usually it takes time to get to that point what would you what would you advise people who never even with the most amount of time never get to that that point where they can they can look at it and and assess it as not so crucially because I have a few people in mind right now and one of them if he's listening knows exactly who I'm talking about he's a close friend of mine he's one of the most talented songwriters most talented synthesis I know and he doesn't have any albums out there because he just never thinks anything's ever done and and it what do you what do you do about that well I mean in my in my other job as uh, running a record company and kind of focusing a lot on the A&R side of it, which means not just finding artists, but also helping artists through the process wherever I can, if necessary, to realize their vision. Um, I mean, you know, when I work with artists who, you know, on that level, um, I, one of the important things that, one of the things that's really important for me when I start to work with an artist is that they have a vision of some kind, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that vision can change over time. That's not a problem, but we start out with an idea or a a vision and that, that could, that could manifest itself as demos or just talking or seeing them live. It could be, depending, it could be different for every artist. So for me, my main job working with whoever's producing the record, because my, what I would do 
there's no typical, there's no one way, but you know, generally I would be involved at the beginning and the middle and the end. So uh, the beginning would be you know, listening to the songs, if that's that kind of record, and maybe deciding which ones to record if there were a lot of songs. And maybe if it was appropriate, finding a producer and a studio. Then the middle bit is just popping into the studio from time to time, just making sure everything's going okay. And the end is kind of getting the album finished and mixed. And um, I can't really, I, I was not really answering your question, except that, you know, I think if you start out um, with the idea of finishing something uh, and you have, I mean, that's a well-known saying. I actually heard it from somebody via the guys from Kraftwerk who never stuck to it, obviously, which was <laughs> creativity starts with a deadline, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I think their deadlines were extremely long. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> was, but um, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it's just, you know, start out with an idea and then figure out how you're going to realise that, that idea, whatever way that is. And I don't think there's anything... I mean, I used to think, you know, perfection is... When you're talking about a mix, for instance, there's no such thing as perfection. Mm -hmm. uh, and that so once you once I understood that from my personal point of view, uh, I realized that uh, to try and strive for perfection was was a waste of time. I mean, that, I'm not saying I'm saying other people might have a different that's not right or wrong. That's just my personal view. So it's like I think, it's, I think it's right. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> and, you know, Gareth and I, we used to spend in the earlier days when we worked together, we used to spend, you know, days and days and days and days mixing. Mm -hmm. um, a number of reasons for that. One is that, you know, the, we, we, things, you know, they were quite complicated mixes, but that, but that wasn't really the reason, I think. It was more that we were just striving for something. We were striving for some kind of perfection instead of striving for something that was sounding great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, two, right. Which is kind of two different things in a way. And I think with digital, you know, DAWs, it's even more difficult. And I'm talking about the days of 24 track and 16 track. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult with DAWs because everything's recallable all the time and you've got 150 tracks. And it's like, I don't know how people do it, to be honest. It's like madness from a creative point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously people are really good and disciplined, use that creative tool in, in, a, in a way that's productive. But most people use it just to add, 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 add. Yeah, that's how what I did before modular. And I'm really yeah. glad that I got into it because mm. I was too prolific as far as releases went. I was just releasing yeah. everything I did, recording everything yeah. I did. And now I look back on it and I'm like, that one didn't need to see the public. Yeah. But um, I, I wanted to add one thing briefly to this, mm. Tim, because mm. I think it might be helpful. I, I, tru I truly believe I support everything that Daniel said, this idea of having a vision to do something. And I don't think it's the job, our job as artists, to judge what we do. I think our job is to make stuff and finish stuff. And, 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 uh, and I try to share this with artists where I'm helping them finish, where I produce records as well. Mm -hmm. I see it, I've seen it so often, I've seen people... It's, it's the tortured artist syndrome that doesn't necessarily help you get anything finished. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 you know, I'm not, when I say, I'm not, 
obviously technique's important and intonation can be important and groove can be important and there's loads of areas where we strive to do our best but I don't think it's our job to judge the work I really believe it's our job to make it and if other people choose to judge it that's fine uh, 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 and it sounds to me like your friend and uh, my, my he his, his way too much judgment going on yeah, and, and, and it's not helping. It, and I know this from personal experience because this stopped me until I started with my spiritual friendship project a few, three or four years before we made Sunroof. I never finished anything because I was too, too much energy was involved in judging and not uh -huh. enough energy was involved in completing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I'm wondering, as, along these lines and kind of into a more broad uh, area of just artistry and and you know, what it means to be an artist. Like, this is a big, a big question, but maybe maybe you guys will have a, a good answer for it. I'm just wondering, with, with the trajectory of your careers, both in the amount of artists that you've worked with and the, the wide breadth of styles and personalities and everything that you've seen, like, how how much of, of, I mean, how much did you learn from that? Is there anything that specifically that you can kind of say over the years with all these different experiences, I've seen this, I've seen X so many times that I know that I'm now I'm noticing it within myself or, or anything like that. Like, does that make sense? I'm, I'm trying to, I think I maybe, maybe just spent, uh, maybe I just, I just uh, gave you too much to chew on there, but do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, kind of, yeah. I'm not sure if I 100%. <laughs> I guess but, take uh, whatever you get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I every artist is different, and every artist has a different, makes different music in lots of in many different ways, and different ambitions and different emotional connections to that music. And one of the things that have made not so much about myself, although I've I'm, I've learned a lot obviously, even without even thinking about it um, over the years, you know, I think how to work with an artist and Gareth knows this better than I do because he actually sits in the studio with them all day and all night for months or weeks or days on end. It's really, you know, it's, it's understanding, you know, how do you get the best out of somebody? How do you, you know, how do you best if you critique something? Do you, you know, with some artists you can say, oh, fuck that vocal shit, okay? And other artists, you would you would you would spend two months building up to that, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I suppose it's psychology, really. It's it's it, you know that I've probably learned more about psychology than almost anything else, and how to work with work with that with different artists and make them feel comfortable. That's the most important thing, both for, as a producer, for Gareth's point of view, and as a record company, is to make them feel comfortable that they can that they can express them a comfortable space for, in order to be able to express themselves without without being criticized uh with every move you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. guess and gareth you, you should you should answer that question better than me well it's it's as as tim said it's, it's way too deep i mean i <laughs> I've, I, I've learned uh, every you know i don't have any formal studio training i i kind of I, I was very much a do-it-yourselfer at the beginning. I didn't, so I, I didn't have a wonderful trajectory as an assistant working with great engineers and producers, as many people do. And what a wonderful school that is! I just kind of 
started working the little eight track. I've learned everything from the artists and uh, that I've worked with, I would say. You know, uh, everything about how you make music, how you make songs, how studios work. I've learned so much from all the uh, all the producers and uh, engineers and, and musicians that I've worked with. Um, and uh, obviously we've all, we've, we're all learning from each other now, but but um, so so it, 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 as Daniel said, it's a, I've, I can't really separate it out. I've, I've learned so much from all the people that I've worked with. I'm keen to to avoid procrastination. I do I do know that all of us can seize on a reason not to do something. Um, so I, I, the artist I'm working with at the moment is the guitar player, the singer, and the songwriter. <laughs> and I, I we I kind of I, I, we we split his personality into three uh, in the last few days, where we said, well, look, actually, the guitarist is playing really well. Let's see if we can get a vocal down before the guitarist gets bored, you know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And let's not let's not criticize the song because the song's been presented to us. Our job now is to record the song that's here, you know. So it, it's easy to get lost in in, in the process. We're, we're we're trying to do something that neither of us have done before, really. But it's easy to think that the performance isn't working. Let's blame the song. But uh, <laughs> so, but but we decided not to. We decided to. That wasn't helping us. So so. Mm. So I think, I mean, I'm a, I, I do get quite a lot done, but I, I, I am very scared of procrastination, you know, finding reasons not to, not to do stuff. And yeah. I probably there was an extent of that. I guess one of the reasons Daniel and I spent so long, I mean, it was a great learning curve for us, but spent so long doing some of the mixes we did back in the 80s was because really we, we were still learning how to do it. We perhaps weren't mm -hmm. that, we weren't as we felt we were pretty good at it because we were on a roll, but we probably uh -huh. weren't as good as we thought we were. Right. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and we weren't, um, you know, we were, we, we, the reason we spent so long sometimes was because we were unwilling and unable to commit. So this thing of commitment is so wonderful. It's so striking in, in great, uh, when, when you see a great, when you see Jackson Pollock do a action painting, you know, he's committing. Yeah, he's doing yeah. it and there's the painting and we've seen it with great vocalists and great guitarists someone someone walks in they play something once and they say well that's it now i've done it that's it yeah uh, and yeah. now i'm going now i'm going to lunch you know or whatever <laughs> you know uh -huh. but but then we see other personalities where they keep playing the same guitar solo for 17 hours or something man and that's uh -huh. you know and that's what i mean i i'm just, I, i'm i'm flailing really because it's all so deep but but this thing—it's a module. It's the, it's the, the modular. It's commitment. That, that's why it's that's why it's become such a powerful tool for me to channel creativity because it forces me to commit. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. and commitment's just so great. I think if you can just, well, this is it. This is our mix. We did it. You know. Yeah. And and and, and, and you know, I'm also had no training whatsoever either as a, an artist or as a recordist or as in music business. I just, when I think back, you know, when we started, Gareth and I started working together again, I'd only been, I'd only had my, you know, only been doing stuff for a few years. It wasn't like I'd been doing it for 15 years and I'd, I'd gone through the, through some kind of process. You know, we were really, we were relatively young and extremely inexperienced, but nevertheless, we had, we really experienced in, realizing our ideas i think we had great ideas but sometimes to realize those ideas took a while but we were always 
we did procrastinate and we did spend far too long on trying to get the perfect kick drum or whatever it was um because we never used we didn't use samples or anything like that in mm -hmm, those days mm -hmm. it was all synthesized um but you know we learned from that we learned that the mix that we did of a certain track that took seven days could easily you know probably wasn't maybe not as good as the f after we'd done it for a day you know I, who right. knows but you know I, the thought of doing a mix for more than the a day now with maybe a couple of hours to tweak is is beyond me you know really mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like I, everything that we've been talking about for the past you know 50 minutes or so sounds like you know the like the psychology aspect of it we've if we put it in a blender i feel like the the theme that i'm gathering is like deadlines are very important make sure not to be too harsh of a judge and i think you need other people there's got to be some sort of community aspect and also somebody else to keep you honest with it, you know, because if you're left, if well, you're, if you're working alone in a vacuum, there's no one to keep you on track or. Well, part of my job from the record company is to be that other person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I'll go in at the end and, you know, having been part of the process at arm's length from the beginning, but not, you know, not focused. I, I find it quite easy to say, something like you know oh that hi-hat pattern's terrible or well i wouldn't say terrible that hi-hat pattern's far too complicated i think you should simplify and then somebody else in the balance around, we spent three days programming that <laughs> and i don't know that and that's yeah. why yeah i don't and i don't care actually yeah you know, it, yeah because it, it's detracted from the vision of the project in whatever way you know if a hi-hat pattern can detract from the vision of the project it can yeah um and so I'm sometimes that other person. I have to be. That's my job in a way to be that other person and mm -hmm. to say something like, you know, well, the rough mix is sounding great, but the final mixes don't sound so great. Why is, why is that? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I don't know. I really like the final mixes. Yeah, but it, it really has lost something in the process. Listen, listen you know, go back to the demos, have a listen to what you were do, trying to do, and you'll see that... It, it, yeah. You know, so I, 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 that my job is to be that other person before it goes into the wide world, you know, and um, and I don't get some people would, but my personal is don't play to anybody outside that 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 comfortable space before I'm happy before they the band's happy with the yard's happy and I'm happy with it, then I'll play it to the team because what I don't want to do is get to be second have second guessing, mm -hmm. you know, say mm -hmm. oh I, you know I, let's get it. Okay, if somebody's thinking it's, it's, it doesn't work, fine, we'll go back. But let's get it done to the point that we're happy, that I'm happy, that the the artist's happy, and then we'll spread it out a little bit more to the team. But that, yeah. So. You know. And so, Gareth, uh, would you sorry, be like the middleman in that? Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'd be a middleman, but in the collaborations, in in, in the in the completing original work that I've done uh, in in the last few years, and the most recent of which is this wonderful sunroof project the we it's the completions happened in collaboration and that's that gets back to what you were talking about community tim um and one of the reasons for that for me is when i when daniel and i get together our time is precious so we've decided we're going to get together for a few sessions over six months and see if we can complete some music so we actually it's a it's a it's this limitation it's it's a, it's an arbitrary deadline in this case but it's it's the power of the deadline again we we want we both really want to come away at the end of the evening thinking we've recorded a couple of bits of noise that may be worth listening to in a few months 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that 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 and that, that would not necessarily have happened if I'd have decided to hang out myself. It doesn't happen if I hang <laughs> out myself on my own in the studio for three uh-huh. hours. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, and it, and it, and it, and and so it's so important. It was so important for us to be in a room together and have this limited amount of time because then we came up with something. You mm-hmm. know, it it may not be perfection, as Daniel says. It may not be the most sublime piece of electronic music that's ever existed on the planet, but at least it's something, and we finished it, and we, and it gives us pleasure to to make it and to talk to you about it. <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure to listen to, and um, and and on that note, because we're we're rounding up to an hour, and I don't want to take too much of you guys' time. Um, I'm I'm curious, and not to put you on the spot in front of each other, but do you feel like what you have made together, you know, for your first album after decades of friendship and and working together, do you feel that it is a fair representation of the culmination of your guys's like? entire relationship professionally and friendship wise. I know this is me being super sentimental and I know, I know, I think, uh, I think on your side of the pond, you guys are a little less sentimental than we are, but I, I, I just have a soft spot for, for nice stories like that. And I'm just wondering if you could speak to anything like that. I think, I think it's, I think I'd like to think, I hope it is one of the interpretations of our history together. Um, Mm -hmm. When we go, we are planning to go back in, because I'm in Berlin and Gareth's in London, so during lockdown we haven't seen each other for over a year. Mm-hmm. Together, we want to get back together, and it might be something very different. Uh, it might not be, but I would hope that we. I mean, I would like to think that it's one of the one of the culminations of our time together, not necessarily the definitive one. There might be other. Right. You know, we made all sorts of music together with other artists over the years. I think, and listened to so much music and. Personally, I've been, I've been here. You know, I've had more time with my modular in the last fifteen months than I've ever had. You know, right, right, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure Gareth spent more time. So we both, we both learned more. We both, you know, have the tools. You know, we've honed up maybe a little bit more, honed our skills a little bit. Not nowhere near. There's no such thing with modulars like we learned how to play the instrument. But mm-hmm. um, you know. I don't know, Gareth. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I do. It's a. I wouldn't say culmination because it's only volume one, but right, it, right. it's a. It's yeah. like a snapshot. It's a snapshot mm-hmm. of where we were at, and in that sense, it really succeeds for me because mm-hmm. the the idea of these improvisations w- was that they would be a snapshot of that particular evening or that particular afternoon, and that's what they they turned out to be. It is, it is, and it that they are all improvisations we were talking about a connection with well we've talked about there's a connection with action painting in the way that that's a snapshot of where your body is where the canvas is where the paint is you know we talked about we were talking about beat poetry yesterday where where it's uh, by the, so uh you know i'm I, the, uh, so so one of them, the aims was achieved for me which is it is if you like an authentic I know that's a difficult word, but it is an authentic representation of where we were in that moment. And that's that's one of the things we were trying to do, you yeah. know. And I think I've talked about this with a number of people on this show. I like the idea of the snapshot. Um, and, and I think that also kind of plays into the the not being too harsh of a critic and, and setting deadlines because snapshots of, of 
periods in your life, I think it's like a sonic journal, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's important to have rather than it's, it's not, I think I, I set up the question asking you if you feel like it's a good representative biography of you two, but the better, but a better question would be, is it, is it a fair journal entry from X date to X date? Yeah. You know, and I think that's a way more interesting, way more interesting idea than the definitive biography. It's a good uh, analogy. The it's a published journal, isn't it? Yeah, we put we published that volume. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So you know, there are other volumes that we didn't, that we haven't published. You know, but that one we published. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Like I said, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But one thing I did want to ask you, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, but if you had just a few quick words for anybody out there who's wanting to um, collaborate with another person with their modular, maybe on the more technical side, because obviously we talked about deadlines and not being too harsh of a critic, but sounds like you guys, you know, other than clock sync, you guys were really kind of loose with it. But is there anything that you can think of, like if you're just starting out jamming with each other? I think to have some little rule book would be a good, good way to start. Um, that could be based on time that could be based on you know the number of voices you use that could be based on a num- whatever you whatever you feel like i think if if you start out com- completely free form i think i think you start out with a rule book and move into free form based on that rule book rather than start out free form i mean that's and I'm, everybody should make their own rules really um but i do think that's that would be my first that would be my first suggestion off the top of my head. I mean, it depends really on what they on what you want to do as a collabora- as a collaboration. It really depends. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways of doing it. You know, we, as Gareth said, you know, we recorded stereo outs from our systems. You might, you know, somebody else might want to record every, you know, every VCA out, uh, and, mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, I don't know. I think that, you know, I think get to know each other is very important. You know, mm-hmm. I think a little bit, you know, just to get, not about music or, but just to get to know each other a bit, you know, as with Gareth and I, you know, we've got to know each other over 40 years. So that's, that was, that wasn't really an issue so much, but um, I've done a couple of collaborations outside of this that I've enjoyed as well, but it been very different, very different experience, you know. Mm-hmm. One of them was very specifically a techno modular techno record, mm-hmm. so that's a, that was genre and tool based. You know, this wasn't there was no you know. So I don't know. It's but get to know people. I think and the dynamic because you way people people's mind moves. Some people are very quick thinkers. I'm not a particularly quick thinker. You know, so you know, you, all those kind of things are, are important. You know, I guess I, Gareth's probably got some good ideas well it's i i I don't know i've got a technical idea for instance i'm going to give some technical feedback to the podcast now Uh, for instance i did a a whole bunch of drone records with my friend in spiritual friendship and one of the things that we did there was tune all the oscillators to the same note oh yeah it's a good place to start so they you know it's a little tip a little pro tip (laughs) (laughs) and once we'd done that you know the drones were awesome awesome you know uh and uh so, oh, and, and uh, but, but conceptually, I can't, I technically, I honestly don't know, but conceptually, I think it's all about listening. 
And I think this must apply to all kinds of improvisation. I've done other improvisations at the piano with very talented piano players, and I'm not a good piano player at all. But it's fun if I listen and they listen to me. And and really, it was a voyage through deep listening. This project for what we're doing. I mean, hey, everyone knows, you know, you you know, any kind of improvisation, you've got to listen to what's in the room. Because yeah. it's a, it's just as important to know when not to make a, a, a sound as you know as when to make a sound. So we were pretty, you know, we're kind of old guys now. We're pretty chilled out. We're pretty laid back, and we were deeply <laughs> listening to each other. We weren't trying to, you know, Compete. we weren't competing. Thank you, Daniel. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. We were, it's a collaboration, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think going forward, when I get because I like I said earlier, I do get asked a lot. How do I? How do? How does one collaborate? And I thought about this when I was listening to the promo copy. I actually remember the moment. Not that it matters, but for some reason, for some reason, it felt very fitting. I was actually in line to get my second vaccination, and it's a very crazy experience of this weird line that never stops. You go through and you get it, and you have to go sit in your your um, the waiting area to make sure you don't get your your anaphylactic shock and stuff. And then, then the drive home, that was, you guys were my soundtrack for that experience. That was like the second time I'd listened to it. And, (laughs) you know, it was such, such a mindless thing to stand in line, but also such a kind of strange reason to be standing in line. And I'm thinking about it in historical context and, and just listening to your guys' sound. And, and it really clicked with me on the drive home. Like this is going, every time anybody asks me, how do we how do i collaborate with somebody i'm just going to send them this album i'm going to say listen to this listen to what these guys did and then you know try to figure out because you guys really nailed it i feel like you, you answered all like you answered those questions for me and i don't i didn't have to try to figure out an answer so. oh that's very kind thank you uh, thank you Tim. Yeah. yeah i've got one more question and i can edit this part out if you guys don't have time this is a, an optional thing that i do it's okay um, yeah. I, I do what's called a patch challenge. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the reason oh, I'm looking. Was... <laughs> <laughs> so what it is basically, if you're not familiar, I, I generate a random adjective and a random noun. And then when we're done, you don't, it's not done in real time. You just take some time when we're done to create a piece of music three to five minutes long based off of these two words. And then you send it to me and I can edit it into the show. Um, now you guys could collaborate th- through that. Maybe one of you build a piece, or you could build your own. I'm happy to play both. But do you guys have time or interested in doing something like that? Yeah, I'll take the. Uh, it's I, I like the. I'll take the challenge. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've, I've listened to a lot of your patch challenges in the past. It's it's uh, it, it's, it's very interesting how how people interpret the words. It's a fun exercise, and it's. I think yeah. I had, I like the the audience to get on board too. I've got a little Discord channel where you can submit your own versions of the words. So, broken initiation. What if we do broken intonation? What if I just change it a little bit? That could be kind of fun. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very open to interpretation. Exactly. I like, and and yeah. so it, it could be fun with with both of you doing your own to see how mm. different. Yeah, I think it'd probably be easier. If, probably be easier if we did them separately, just from a time point of view. Right. Yes. Um, um, yes, I agree. Great. Well, I'm just going to um, write that down. Broken into. Broken intonation. Okay. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So sorry. The challenge is just any. 
whatever, just those two words, see Make- where that takes me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed it. It's nice to be on, it's weird to be on a podcast that I've listened to for the last, I don't know how long, a couple of years or something like that. And That's, uh, it's weird to have you tell me you listened to it because I was very <laughs> nervous to chat with you guys. <laughs> and I appreciate your time. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. thank you very much. How about that chat? But the show's not over. We've got a couple patch challenges to check out. So let's start with Gareth Jones because he did the original drawing of the words. He did Broken Initiation. So here is Gareth Jones, Broken Initiation. Broken, broken Initiation. Thank you. 
I love that. That was trippy as hell. That was so cool. Um, and we got one more piece of awesome music for you. Let's check out Daniel Miller's Broken Intonation.
And that is our episode. Thank you so much to Gareth and Daniel for coming on the show. It's definitely going to go down in the books as a, uh, as a highlight for me personally. That was a really fun conversation. Um, and please check out their new record. Check out Sunroof on Mute Records. Link in the show description. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. Uh, don't forget to go check out my YouTube videos. I'm having a lot of fun bringing my synth into the wilds of the Pacific Northwest and doing pretty irresponsible things with expensive electronics, but it's really fun. Um, yeah, that's about all I got for you. Until next week. <laughs>